City of London Symphonia podcast, where we go behind the scenes with the orchestra's musicians, artists and friends, discussing artistic programmes, participation projects and broader topics about the arts, culture and healthcare sectors. In this episode, you will be hearing from creative director and leader Alexandra Wood and British composer Cheryl Francis Hode. Hello and a very warm welcome. I'm Alexandra. I'm the leader and creative director of the orchestra. My guest today is the fabulous Cheryl Francis Hode. We'll be giving the world premiere of her work for tenor and small orchestra, Scenes from the Wild in Southwark Cathedral in November. And Cheryl, I was thinking of ways to describe this work. It's sort of hard to put into words, almost a semi-dramatised song cycle. Am I along the right lines? Yes, I think that's, that's exactly right. I, um, I mean, the original commission was to be an opera and was slightly modified due to the subject we found and, and COVID and things like that. But I think, uh, you know, the, 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 the feeling of an opera is, is carried over a little bit. It's a, it's a 27 song dramatic um, song cycle. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very exciting. It's the biggest, biggest thing for voice that I've, that I've ever written, I think. Can you uh, tell our listeners um, a little bit about the subject matter and the text and... So the, the cycle is called Scenes from the Wild and it's based on a book by Dara McAnulty called um, Diary of a Young Naturalist. And it's a wonderful, wonderful book written when Dara was, was 14 and it's since gone on to win you know, numerous literary prizes and be translated into tens of, tens of languages. Um, and it's essentially a year in his life um, Dara was diagnosed with autism and has had, you know, has had various trials and tribulations to get over things like being bullied at school. And, and but he, this book sort of throughout the year details how he, how he overcomes these, uh, these, these problems. And, you know, mainly, I mean, partly due to his, you know, fabulous strength of character and just being a wonderful human being, but also due to his affinity with nature, due to the fact that he can take great solace in, in nature and he's a real expert you know he you know it's amazing when you read through the book and you know he knows every single plant every single bird and you know just the sheer uh, joy and expertise and sort of uh, nourishment he gets from nature it seemed like the perfect subject for now um mm. i read 30 books and that the original brief was to to, to write a piece that sort of commemorated um, CLS's work in the community and it, perhaps in areas such as teenage mental health and dementia. And I read many, many books in the in the run up for this and finding this book just felt like a ray of sunlight because it's just, it's just perfect. And, you know, for now, you know, in a time when perhaps, you know, lots of people have realised the value of nature um, during, during lockdown and it just seemed utterly perfect. Mm. And you mentioned that um, the project has had many twists and turns since our initial uh, brief to you, I suppose, um, when, when we first came to you, partly through circumstance, partly through sort of legal reasons, I think sometimes with using various texts. Has the journey itself been rewarding, probably frustrating at times, but has that been a rewarding process? And are you really pleased with where, where it's ended up? Yes, I'm delighted with where it's ended up. And it just seems... The book seems so um, relevant 
both to the times we're living in, about, you know, about the things we should be valuing and to CLS's brief. Um, it was, I must have read over 30 books um, during this process and two incredibly frustrating um, episodes were when I found what I what I still think would be perfect books for opera. And after three months of, of trying to get in touch with rights people, we were told that no, we couldn't have either of them because either they were now being theatre and cinema productions or that the rights had been sold to a company which had now dissolved so nobody knew who owned the rights. And so that was, uh, it was, at that point, I was starting to feel pretty desperate. And then I happened to turn on Radio 4 during Book of the Week, Book of the Week, and there was Dara. And I immediately sent this link to Amanda Holden, who, who listened to it, and we were like, yes, this is it, this is it. So we both bought the book and read it within a few days. And it, yes, it, it, that was, that was, a huge moment of relief because it was actually getting fairly close to the time when I really had to start. Um, but it was certainly a wonderful journey. And I, I, I think, I guess a lot of the stuff that I've read sort of, sort of, you know, at least informed, informed my awareness of this subject perhaps. And it's been something that I've been very interested in for a long time, but yes, yes. But thankfully Dara's publishers were an absolute dream to work with and Dara and his mum have been in contact with it. It's all been, it's all been wonderful. So it all had a happy ending in the end. Thank goodness to Radio Four. I mean, I, yes. I heard actually um, some of some of it on on Radio Four when it was Book of the Week. And but but all there are lots of other nuggets on there as well. It's amazing what you can. No, it's just one of my one of my top places for inspiration. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I do it far more than I do classical music. Which I shouldn't yeah. um, you mentioned the wonderful Amanda. Of course, she very sadly passed away quite recently. Actually. Um, were you able to work alongside her on the libretto? How how was that process? Yes, so um, me and Amanda, I, I met Amanda first when I was 19, I think, and we started talking right at the beginning of this process. And, you know, she, 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 I mean, she was just so wonderful. She she read books that I suggested. She, she met me for cups of tea and we talked and we talked and we talked and we read the book and really compared notes and, you know, you know, said which bits, you know, really appealed to us. Of course, Amanda, I mean, we didn't, there, there wasn't really too much toing and froing, really, because Amanda would always just, you know, know what works, worked best. And it was just, we were in uh, almost, you know, constant contact during this whole process. And it was just a, a really wonderful experience. I think, you know, Amanda is so experienced and so eminent and so knowledgeable and, Every time I speak to her, I sort of learn something and just be sort of wowed by her. But I would never feel, I would always feel, she would always make you feel equal. You know, she would mm. always, you know, I, I really value people who, who I, it's it's wonderful to work with because I felt like I could ask her anything. I could, I, and I didn't need to feel stupid, which, which I often do when I, when I, when I sort of talk to other people about things because it takes me a while to get wonderful experience. And I am so grateful that, with the tenor, William Morgan, we went to Amanda's house on the 2nd of September and we played through, um, we, we played we played through much of the cycle with me sort of. So she did get masking. to hear it, wonderful, yeah. And she got to hear it and we, I, I hung back after William left and, you know, we said, um, uh, you know, what, what do you, you know, basically we were saying how delighted we were with William and how happy she was to have heard it. And then on the 7th of September, she passed away. And um, 
Yes, I feel, I've, you know, it's such a, a, a strange feeling to think that I'll be going to the rehearsals without her because I, I so valued and respected her opinion and um, she was just a, just a wonderful person to spend time with. And it's absolutely, yeah, I feel very bereft that she's not going to be there. But, you know, I know that she would have, you know, been so overjoyed for it to go ahead and she would, you know, she's, it's, it's wonderful that this concert is going to be dedicated to her memory. Yes. And um, many of her relatives are going to come, so I think it will be a wonderful, a wonderful occasion. And I'm just so glad that she got to hear and hear and see a bit of it, and that we have a wonderful tenor like William, who's going to just, you know, really, really do the piece justice. Yeah, and it can be a celebration of 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 her work Absolutely. and and her work Absolutely. with you, and yeah. And the, I mean, I, you know, and I had a wonderful message from Dara's mother saying how how. You know, when when they read Amanda's adaptation of Dara's text, you know, they 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 were in tears because it was just so so sensitive and so perfect. And Dara's mum said, you know, he she just absolutely got his sort of sensitive poetic soul. I think she said, yeah. and um, you know, so that's wonderful because obviously obviously there are, there are aspects of this song cycle which are you know sensitive. You know how you know how does one deal with you know. Um, you know, autism and things like that. And, you know, of course, with somebody like Amanda, it's just um, just done in the most sensitive, um, caring way that could be poss- you know, possible. Mm. So, yes, it will be a wonderful celebration, but I, I, shall really, I shall really miss her in the rehearsal and the concert process. And, of course, after, after that, because uh, some of the books that were discarded because we couldn't get rights, we were thinking, right, we'll do that next. Mm. So, uh, mm. yeah. I mean, it it strikes me having sort of looked at your work so far that you often collaborate with with poets with artists with dancers with with living people who you can sort of have a two-way process with is yeah. is that a deliberate thing is it something you enjoy that interaction or is it just the way things have, have progressed um, I mean to be honest nothing in my career has been deliberate apart from the fact that I just wanted to carry on composing and I I love being by myself writing you know I, I, I'm very well suited to that but I mean I absolutely love collaborating with, with with other artists and I guess in terms of song I love collaborating with living poets um more than I do setting setting already existing poetry I mean I mean at the moment I'm a visiting research fellow at Merton College Oxford and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm dipping my toe into sort of academia and meeting these, these wonderful academics of all different subjects. And it's just so completely inspiring to talk to somebody about their work in medieval or, or physics or, you know, or studying sort of um, botany and stuff. And, um, and I find it a similar way with working with poets and dancers. There's, um, I mean, working with living poets is particularly wonderful, I think, because... If you work with a poet that you trust, you can you can contribute in your own way. So I've just written a song cycle about the Botanic Garden in Oxford. And, you know, I, I told the poet, Kate Wakeling, what I found inspiring. And, and, you know, so it's wonderful. But then you have complete trust in, in the poet. And then they help you understand the text, which is often something that's really, really great, you know, because I, 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 I often feel I don't really know a poem until I've set it into music. And... Um, and it's just lovely to talk to somebody from a different art form. When you work with a dancer, I mean, I remember a choreographer working with me, and such a musical person, but somebody who didn't read music, and she came up with sort of 
her interpretation of the phrasing in my work, which wasn't sort of technically how I thought it was, but it sort of added a layer of understanding to my work that I wouldn't have had otherwise. So yes, it's, it's, it's I mean, I, I love every form of composing, but collaborating with somebody, you know, particularly as a caliber or somebody like Amanda is, um, is always a, such an enriching experience. And, and you end up writing things, which I mean, I'm sure, you know, in this, in this piece, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's the way you think about what you're writing that you can come up with some different, different sort of material, different ways of generating material. It's always, always inspiring. Now your path, I mean, you started off as a cellist, a very um, formidable cellist. You went to the Hugi Menuhin School. How and when did composing start to take over? And I mean, I believe you don't really play anymore. Is that true? I don't play anymore and I feel very guilty about it. Um, and I thought if, 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 I never start playing again. It was in lockdown, and I, I may still yet because I, I sound great for about two minutes, and then I absolutely <laughs> no stamina, and I've just got to shake out both hands. It's, it's a bad thing to lose because it's. I think for me as a composer, thinking through the eyes of the performer is really important. Right? It's so easy to forget that there's a person in between your notes and the audience. I mm. think, and you know, frankly, without performers, like composers are nothing. Um, but yeah, so I started off, I can't remember starting composing because I started composing as soon as I started playing the cello when I was seven. And I, I went to the Minion School six months later when I was just eight. Oh, and so I was sort of swept, swept up. And, um, but I was composing all the time. And it was when I was 14, I wrote a cello concerto for, that got selected for the BBC Young Composer of the Year. And I still remember being in front of the BBC, BBC Philharmonic rehearsing it in Manchester. I mean, it was just insane. And, and that that was a sort of aha moment that, 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 that I just thought, wow, this is this is really, really for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and from that point, I was very lucky to get asked to write to write pieces. So I, I started effectively working to very badly paid, but nonetheless to commission. Mm-hmm. And it gradually, I gradually, I mean, I'm in awe, I'm in awe of people like, Tom Ellis and Hugh Watkins, who managed to do both because I've been incapable of that. And um, I also find being on stage terrifying and uncomfortable now when it used to feel probably the most comfortable place to be when I was little. But as I became a teenager, I just got more and more sort of screwed up about that. So so it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, composing is definitely the thing for me now. But I think, you know, really, really always thinking about the performer, like even down to the sort of, what sounds fairly mundane and like this song cycle I've tried to make sure that everybody is featured that has a solo you know that mm. no part is boring throughout you know because I just I just um I guess ultimately it's sort of about not only about trying to create uh you know scintillating music but also about respect right because if you don't respect your performers then I don't think you really deserve to be performed um so um I, I continually think about you know, those days when I did perform, and I'm very glad for having that experience. Now, I mean, you have already composed a myriad of, of pieces and a great variety of works as well, which is very impressive. Is there one piece, one sort of work that you're dying to write, but you've just never been asked or, or that you're going to have to set time aside one day and say, right, I have to do this now? Yeah, I, I have not written um in recent years a a a piece for orchestra without a soloist i've, I've written i've written large-scale works you know featuring um, for instance baritone and symphony orchestra but i've not written 
I've not written a a 15, a 10, 15 minute orchestral piece. And that is something that I would very much like, like to do. It's, it's strange how life goes along in that, you know, I, I'm now sort of often thought of as a, a choral and vocal composer. And I literally never sung in a choir apart from many really? school choir. And I sing a lot, I sing a lot when I write, but I have, you know, I, I never, never in public and it's, it's straight, you know, and I'm going to the menu school and piano and strings, you know. Um, so I think that's an area. I mean, of course, in the other area is, of course, um, an opera. And whilst I am very glad that this this work turned out to be a large scale song cycle, I think it was preferable for, for many reasons, just practical and artistic. Um, you know, a large scale opera is also on my on my bucket list. Um but I guess the thing is, you know, when I get asked to write stuff, I was just, over the weekend, I was just snipping together excerpts of a big um, educational piece I've written for, for 150 kids in orchestra, and they want a little demo for, for a concert prior to the big event. And, you know, I mean, I, I just, you know, it's about, it's about going to Mars and orbiting around Mars and <laughs> being in a spaceship. And, you know, the thing is that everything is, I think, variety is the spice of life. Yeah. You know? So I, if I can go from education piece to... Serious string quartet to 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 opera. I'll be happy. Cheryl, it's been such a tremendous pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you very much for joining me from your wonderful room in Oxford. It, it's a shame yeah. there's no visual because it. <laughs> Panelled room. It's, yes, yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Nice. And yeah. and um, just a reminder for those of you listening, there are three performances I think of your um, work in November at Southwark Cathedral. Check out our website for all the details on that. With William Morgan, as you say, tenor, and the wonderful Geoffrey Patterson, conductor. It's going to be a fabulous, fabulous event. Thank you for joining me, and I look forward to seeing you soon. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the City of London Symphonia podcast with Alexandra Wood and Cheryl Francis-Hode. For more information about what you've just heard and on City of London Symphonia, visit the website cls.co.uk and find us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter.